Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. The Soul of Business with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to the Solo Business on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon. Last year, we spoke to Siska Margareta, Chief Marketing Officer at Experian Asia Pacific, talking about Experian's work to help migrant workers achieve economic growth and well-being through financial literacy programs. One year on, she joins us to talk about their United for Financial Health initiative in a report card conversation, if you will. Cisco, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Clarissa. I, I told my team when um, the, uh, this, this come up that you're going to ask me for a report card, as you always do. <laughs> as I always do. Now, an estimated half of the adult population across Asia Pacific do not own a bank account. This actually was mind-blowing to me, by the way. And here mm. in Singapore, many still struggle with financial awareness and literacy, particularly young people, which also blew my mind. So a lot of stuff that you're talking about today has blown my mind. And those from lower-income families set the stage for us. Why is this, you know, alarming? Why are they yeah. alarming findings? Yeah. So if I expand uh, the data to the, the unbanked adults globally, it's 1.7 billion. And about a billion of those live here in Asia Pacific, uh, mostly in Asia. Um, and so if we first define the unbanked, um, these are people who have no checking, savings or mobile money provider accounts, no access to financial products like loans and mortgages or insurance, which means no protection for their money, whether they lose it from theft or and also when they lose their jobs and income. So they're hit hard in terms of not having access to all these financial products. As you said, in Singapore, there are still unbanked popul- population. I think the latest data shows about 2% of Singapore population is unbanked. And that's about 120,000 people from my estimate. So, And why is this alarming? Because financial exclusion is expensive. It impacts people's quality of life and it prevents them from investing in their future. It leaves them with very limited safeguards if they lose their job or fall ill. It makes them vulnerable to predatory lenders like loan sharks, which are still quite prevalent even in developed economies like Singapore. And so in other words, access to financial services is vital for coping and coping with and escaping poverty. It's a vicious cycle for the vulnerable communities. Uh, the unbanked are more likely to be poor and to stay poor as well. Um, so those who don't have bank accounts like the 2% in Singapore, they don't have access to the mainstream credit. They're missing out on a world of opportunities, not just the basic of escaping poverty, but to then improve their lives. Um, and even those who are able to apply for credit are often declined if their financial profiles are too thin, uh, so not enough uh, credit history to enable lenders to make an informed decision. So we estimate less than one in three loan applications are approved, um, which is uh, for those lacking financial profiles, which is not a good average. Okay, now some of these families, let's talk about Singapore for a minute. Some of these families Mm -hmm. that you're talking about, they're elderly. So that's already uh, difficult, um, but they're not going to be convinced. If they've been stuffing their mattress all their lives, (laughs) you're not going to suddenly convince them to go digital and go banking. But what I found particularly alarming is the young people not having access to everything that you just said when it comes to being banked. Yeah. That was very worrying. You're absolutely right. And these are people who have 
future in terms of in terms of lifespan, right? They need to to think and safeguard themselves for the uh, for the future. Um, but I think you can see that um, the trends are also shifting. Like COVID has actually exacerbated the sort of digital divide and digital proliferation. So hoping that this will impact at least the young people, because that is also why we are focused, as you said before, for experience in financial education, because we do need to educate these people on, even if they want uh, access to financial system but can't get it, we can also educate them on the second part, which is how do you get there? And like I said, they often don't have um, thick credit profiles uh, being young as well. Maybe there's not enough credit history. But that's also why we're looking at, I just came on an internal sort of event actually on discussing alternative uh, sources of data in order to basically buffer up these credit profiles from different sources like utility data to show that they're actually, their payment sort of pattern. Like even if you don't have a bank account or if you don't have too many credit products that you've taken in the past, there are other patterns uh, from the utilities and telco uh, providers data that to show that you are a good customer, that you pay your bill. Right. Okay. Now, I think part of that is already the answer to my next question, which is what was the inspiration and motivation behind experience plans for rolling out the United for Financial Health initiative in the APAC region? Um, yeah, and, you know, Clarissa, I think you know well by now that financial inclusion has always been a priority for experience. And, and this means to us making sure that everyone has access to financial identities and essential financial services. So the main driver behind United for Financial Health is really to do with people most impacted by COVID-19. Because we talk about being financially excluded from traditional system makes it nearly impossible for individuals and businesses, as you saw um, you know, in the trend in sort of SMEs in Singapore as well, to borrow or save money, or again, to have insurance to uh, protect them from the losses of income or the health challenges that have come or been exacerbated, even in co- especially in COVID. So many people have been impacted by this pandemic, and it'll leave them in a poorer financial state. So I think with United for Financial Health, we're focused on empowering the vulnerable people to improve their financial health. And again, as you mentioned before, through education, because what we want to do is set them up for the future rather than helping them just in the moment. As a data and technology company experience also intends to gather the additional insight and data to inform our social innovation solutions in the future so that we know what people, individuals need and the organizations serving these individuals need the most. Okay. I'm wondering how will Experian be working with the first two selected organizations to assist vulnerable individuals and communities? Yeah, I'll talk about, uh, I'll focus on uh, one of them, Clarissa, because the other one we're still in, we're we're setting up um, uh, right as, as we speak, but sure. it's a, the, the good example is um, again a longer-term partnership. As I said, we believe in uh, longer-term partnership. We don't just, you know, that's why we don't just do cash donations. We actually enable them and we, you know, complete programs with them. And we've got one called Enrich in Hong Kong. You mentioned at the start we spoke about migrant domestic workers. That was uh, spurred on by a project that we did, a research project we did in uh, with Enrich. 
uh, an NPO that champions migrant domestic workers in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And Enrich is basically promoting the economic empowerment um, through financial literacy, education, and further sort of business courses. So we built on what we did in 2009 with the 2019, sorry, in on that research that I mentioned. And we empowered 30,000 women since then with digital financial literacy. So we're continuing this work through United for Financial Health so that we can improve and scale to even more migrant domestic workers. What we've been doing is really creating financial literacy quiz-based online competitions to make it more gamified and fun so and it's easier for them to follow uh, on basic money management and financial concepts and more sophisticated financial concepts like uh, online identity protection, which is, funnily enough, was actually the biggest question they had when we first conducted classes. Because as you can imagine, uh, this population would be targeted quite a bit by fraudsters on online. So yeah, we, we are focusing on reaching 250,000 migrant domestic workers and their families in the next year through this United for Financial Health. All right. Have you started working with Enrich yet? We have just started, yes. It's basically, we identified them and signed them up basically a month ago for, for United for Financial Health. But we've been working with them on similar projects for the last three years. All right. Now, how will this initiative impact Singaporeans? I mean, you know, it's obviously we are part of, of the APEC region. We're part of ASEAN. But when it comes right down to it, we're most invested in Singapore and how this will help vulnerable communities in Singapore. So that is the question, really. How does this help Singaporeans, people who live here long term? It will land here in Singapore. Um, so Singapore is definitely one of the key markets that we're, we've identified for the next phase. So this is just the first phase with Enrich. We have far more to go. It's embedded in our strategy up until 2030, actually. So we consider Singapore a key market for here in Asia Pacific. And, you know, I'm here as well, uh, as, as you are. So we we have long-term partners here already. Um, AIDA, which is a similar organization as Enrich, and Daughters of Tomorrow, which are which is essentially a charity that is supporting underprivileged uh, women. Mm-hmm. And especially they do great work, moms. by the way. They do. And even personally, to be honest, I've donated, like I said, I've got a child to you and I've donated whatever things that my child has outgrown <laughs> to Daughters of Tomorrow. And we're exploring more strategic partnerships. And we can apply the learning from phase one with Enrich. As you know, Singapore is a developed economy, um, as, as we talked about, but there's still the unbanked. We're actually one of the wealthiest in the world, but still we still have the unbanked and people living below um, the minimum wage and poverty line. So we definitely will look at Singapore and we're doing our best to identify the right partners with the greatest impact. We will continue working in Singapore for our BAU or a usual you know, CSR activities for sure. So we're continuing working with IDEA. I was just judging their financial and business plan competition last week, actually, for the graduates from their financial courses last week. But that's not just through United for Financial Health. So we are continuing working with uh, organizations here through, again, financial education. We want to teach them instead of uh, just, you know, as I said, in the moment and cash donations or uh, goods donations. And yeah, so it, it's not a one-year program, Clarissa. I say Singapore's next is, is my point. <laughs> right. No, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it is actually quite easy to forget because so many of us live fairly affluent lives. It is a very affluent city, is a very safe city. So it is actually quite easy to forget there are still vulnerable communities here 
people who need the additional assistance, people who are unbanked. I mean, most of us wouldn't think that anyone in Singapore did not have yeah. a bank account or a, a credit rating. But we, there are members of the community who are just equally important members of the community who need that kind of assistance. And, you know, you know, this as well as, um, as I do in terms of the pandemic, it has done two things. It made the vulnerable, the 2% or even more if we widen the definition, to not just having a bank account, but basically made the vulnerable even more vulnerable. And it's turned more people into vulnerable. You know, we've seen that through other markets, but definitely Singapore is not immune to it. Right. Okay, now let's talk about some of the other initiatives that Experian has in place to support other vulnerable communities, not just necessarily here, but everywhere you are. Yeah, so we've got one one of the interesting things, I think I mentioned it to you last, uh, the last time we spoke in July, we started our Mathathons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it's basically virtual volunteering. And I'm happy to say that we've mapped almost, uh, well, we've mapped every month since uh, last year. So my team and I host this marathon for the region, which has now gone global, actually, experienced globally, thought it was a great idea. And so essentially, it enables our people to still volunteer at home, at their desk or at their kitchen table, wherever they are. Um, So we set a target to map 100,000 people in the most vulnerable communities in the world. Like we've done Chile, we've we've done Philippines, we've done all sorts of part of the world. And we've exceeded that. And we've mapped since we last about 400,000 people, which means these are the people in the most prone, um, vulnerable communities. The first responders will now know how to get there because the access points have been mapped. So that, that's just one initiative. And I'm, I'm actually really heartened to see that people continue participating in this monthly marathon for the last 18 months, even though it's become you know, a monthly routine. But you know, it just shows the spirit of our people giving back, even though they probably themselves are you know, facing their own challenges, as we all, we all do during COVID time. Um, I remember you talking about this mapping. I thought it was very, f- it sounded like fun. <laughs> it is. Um, some of us are better than others. I won't say my age has to do anything to do with it, but the younger <laughs> team members seem to be faster. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not very good at it. Uh, there are other people in different age categories which are much better. <laughs> right. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, before I let you go, perhaps something that we should understand, all of us, is the longer these vulnerable communities are pressured by the pandemic and the ensuing financial fallout, what is the impact on them? Yeah, I mentioned about the digital divide. So, you know, a lot of people who have access to digital have relied almost completely on digital payments and, you know, shopping. And they also want to avoid crowds in stores and marketplaces, right? Because in some markets, this is a matter of life and death. uh, But the unbanked and people without access to digital don't have these choices. So they take greater risk and they are also sometimes even excluded from government aid, which normally are transferred to citizens through digital channels. So what I'm saying is the pandemic is accelerating digital economies, and we're increasingly becoming cashless societies, like in Singapore. But in an economy that runs on the assumption that individuals have full access to digital and cashless ecosystems, living without that access has huge costs. So, you know, what chance do the unbanked have to participate in a digital economy? They can't move with it. They can't move forward. And there is being left behind even more. Right. Now, this has been, as it always is, a fantastic conversation. 
We've been speaking with Siska Margareta, Chief Marketing Officer at Experian Asia Pacific. Siska, always a pleasure. Likewise, Clarissa. Thank you. Thanks for the update. I'm Clarissa Monter for the Workday Afternoon Euro Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.